0: Not only to worship, but to learn. And as we learn more about God, to be inspired to worship. And the more we worship, the more we want to learn about God. And that's that's the healthy cycle of of the Christian. And we're going to begin with a word of prayer, asking God to, uh, to to bless us as as we learn tonight. Father, so many things uh, are heaped up in our, in our souls right now. Uh, a very busy day. A very busy day, and and not just filled with activity, but but filled with concerns, with worries, with 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 uh, with good things, and and with things that are not so positive, and all of these things, Father. Make us grateful that we can rest in Your Son. That we can find full assurance of every promise of joy and peace, and of courage and of confidence and power for this life that that all of that comes to bear in the way that we live with both the good and the bad. And tonight, Father, we, we really want to learn. And we have this tremendous passage that is just just so full of, of meaning and and rich riches and, and treasure. And and we pray that You'll give us eyes to see it and ears to hear it, Father, in a way that, that we are completely changed. Not just in the way that we think and the way that we see, but the way that we respond to everything around us, and especially the way that we respond to Your presence every second of the day. So bless us, Father. Bless us this way uh, as we press our mind into Your Word. And we ask for, for, for this great blessing in the name of Jesus. And all the church said, since it's been a couple of weeks, it might be a, 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 a little on the wise side of things to to remind ourselves of a very striking verse at the very beginning of this letter that that sort of sets the pace for the rest of the letter. It's found in First John chapter one, it's verse four that say this verse it's up here on the screen. Let's say this verse together with our outside voices. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's say it one more time. We write this to make our joy complete. On your outline, I want you to circle the words joy complete. It's really about complete joy. One of the purposes of this letter, as John writes at the very beginning, is to help believers know that this kind of complete joy is available to them. Now, John, the one that's writing this letter, he was an apostle. He was a very close associate of Jesus, a friend. He writes that he touched, he saw, he heard Jesus. What he had was a knowledge of Jesus. But more than that, he had what he refers to in this letter as fellowship. John had fellowship with God the Son. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time here because we we delved in this a little bit more in depth in the first week, but the question we have to remind ourselves, is this really one of the ways that we describe our relationship with God? We talk about a relationship, we talk about our faith, we talk about our knowledge, we talk about, you know, worship, but do we really talk that, you know, on a daily basis, what we have with God is fellowship. Fellowship with God the Son. Is that one of the ways you describe your faith, that you have fellowship with God? That's more than morality. That that's more than just moral decency. More than a certain kind of knowledge. Of, of, of more than a philosophy. It's a fellowship, meaning that there is a sharing in the life of God, that gives us this complete joy. Now that always brings up a very good question, and the question, if this is the kind of joy, a complete joy that is available to us, then why is why are our lives so little characterized by it? Why is, there, you know, why is there so little greatness of the experience of God in our life? Why is there so little of a taste of this in, in our life? You know, John was, was not only an apostle and the closest of, of Jesus' associates, but John is also a shepherd. He is a pastor and he knows how people think. And I think that this is why we have verses 5 and 10 in this this letter. John gives one of the reasons why we're held back from this kind of complete joy. The reason is this. The reason is the darkness. (laughs) The darkness that we experience. It's one of the foundational obstacles to having complete joy in our life. And so John says, beginning in verse 5, after saying, we write this so that you can have complete joy, he says, and this is the message we've heard from him. And we declare it to you that God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Now, if we claim to have fellowship with Him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. Darkness is the main problem. It's not the only problem. In fact, John will probably mention at least two more at least that we'll we'll talk about or Focus on over the next couple of weeks, but but darkness is the main problem that we face. We want to have fellowship with God, but if we're walking in the darkness, it's not going to happen. It's just not, and it's a huge problem of the heart. It's you know why why do we do the things that hurt us? Why why do we do the very things that we know are wrong? Why? why do we see and sometimes experience in our own life but at least observe a sort of twisted thinking in the lives of other people and I want to know why we're so cruel to each other and why is everything seemingly breaking down around us according to John it's because of the darkness the problem is the darkness all around us and the darkness that is in us. in us now I Quite frankly, I don't think we have to exert much ener- energy to make the case that there is darkness in the world that is an obstacle to having this complete joy. And, and the problem that we really face, once we come to, to understand that, you know, okay, the darkness is the issue, the problem we face is that it is virtually, it, it's virtually undetected in our lives. It is the problem, but it's a problem that we have learned to live with. It's, it's sort of like uh, fish and water. You ask a fish about the water and the fish is going to respond, you know, what water? It's the same with us. We have grown so accustomed to the darkness that we really don't see it anymore. We accept it, we take it for granted, but John will not. John won't. And, and he begins, and, and there's sort of this bad news, good news element to what he's going to write, and not just him, but everybody in the Bible you know, when you think about what the Bible has to say about the darkness and the existence of it, not only in the world around us, but even in us, the Bible is pretty pessimistic where people are generally optimistic. People in, in, in modern people, especially Western people, want to believe that the answer to the darkness in, is the world in the world is, 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 is us. Our own intelligence, our own power, our own resources, our own craftiness. But the answer to this kind of darkness is really within human beings. If we could only get along. Or if we could raise the standards of living. Or if we could get more people educated. Or if we could get the right political party in office. And the Bible basically says that all of that stuff is just futile. And that's the bad news. That we live in the darkness and we can't do anything about it. But the flip side of that, the the good news, is that the Bible says the darkness can be obliterated. That's what John is writing about. The Bible says that the darkness can be obliterated, therefore don't you, like John, dare to accept the darkness. Don't you dare accept the fact that these things that have you, that are dark, that have you in its grip, is just the way that you're supposed to live your life as a disciple of Jesus. That these things that you have maybe grown to accept as, as just part and parcel of what it means to live a life as a Christian, that it's going to be grit dealing with these things that are dark inside of you. Don't you dare accept that. What John is going to be telling us is that those kinds of things can be obliterated in your life. They can be destroying, destroyed. That you can walk in the light. so so three things really basically having to do with verse 5 as we as we unpack this rich passage how do you obliterate the darkness? well you know the first thing you have to do is you just have to begin with God. This is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you God. God John has a message and the first part of it is God. It begins with God. You begin with, with God the Father. And John begins with God and who He is and, and not with you and not with your problems. And this is sort of consistent throughout the Bible. Before there's any mention of a human or any human problem in the Bible, what do we read? very first line, in the beginning, what? God. Everything else in the Bible builds on those four words. In the beginning, God. Now now again, most people in the Western world live thinking that none of the great minds who have ever lived have been able to prove anything useful about God and who am I to do what the great minds could not do? And that really the best thing for us to do is to live life the best way that a person knows how. But here's the thing. When we do that, the darkness grows. The reason the Bible starts with God is that all of the problems in the world begin with the human self, with self-absorption, with with egocentricity, with selfishness, with, with narcissism. The message does not begin with us. The message begins with God. If you want to get out of the darkness, then you have to stop thinking about yourself and to begin to fill your mind and your heart and your soul with thoughts about God. What He is. Creator of the universe, as a shepherd of our life, as a Savior. What it means for Him to be described in the Bible as righteous. What it means for Him to be described as light and holy and loving and sacrificing of His... All all of that, and then on top of that, what He's owed. And the message is God. And if there is a God, who really cares what the cost is, Right? Now you're never going to understand life, you're never going to understand yourself or what's going on in the world until you grow in your understanding of God. And if you start with you and with the problems and and, and with with what's going on inside of you, if that's the beginning place, then you're never going to get beyond the darkness. You have to start with God. And the gospel demands that you do something with that self-centeredness and it's called repentance. Which leads to a second thing. Not only do you begin with God, but you begin with God as He reveals Himself. In verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from Him. Underline those words on your outline. That we have heard from Him and declare to you. Now again, this just flies in the face of just about every approach to religion known in the world. But you begin by forgetting yourself and contemplating God in all of His greatness. That is, in the greatness that He Himself reveals about Himself. Now most people want to construct a God of their own desires. Even disciples struggle with this. They want to construct a God of their own desires. But notice something about verse 5. John says, this is the message that we heard from Him. And it's not that John is this, this old, old student who after years of, of, of thinking and, and, and thinking about these ancient manuscripts and, and all of the ancient philosophies has now crystallized these concepts of God. No, John says, I met this God. I met this God. I beheld this God. I touched this God. I ate with this God. I, I heard this God. And this is the message that we declare to you. And here's the point. You know, really the only way that you're going to know God is if you believe that He has revealed Himself to you through the prophets and the apostles and their writings, and first and foremost, through Jesus. You know, what really matters is what God says about Himself. And this always brings up a really interesting question. The question is, do I really have to believe that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God? And and while there's not really time to address that question in depth, let me say that unless unless you have something that you can go to and say, this is what God says. This is what God says about Himself. This is what God says about me. This is what God says about everything. Then it's really going to be hard for you to have a personal relationship with Him. In fact, let me take it another step. It's going to be impossible for you to have a personal relationship with God. Now, then, instead of talking about that particular question, let me give you a consequence of, of not of not believing or accepting the Bible as the authoritative revelation of God. Here's a consequence. If it's not, then you can't have a personal relationship with God. You can only have a philosophical conception of God. It, it, it's like to say that this is not God's authoritative word, that, that the word, the inspired word, through the apostles, through the other writers, through, through the prophets, through Moses, through David, that this, is, that this is not the inspired Word of God. There's God speaking to us. To say that is like trying to develop a relationship with someone who will not speak to you. Think about it this way. My wife, Ellen. You know, I, I can find out a lot about my wife, Ellen, by observing her as she goes through her day. And I find out, you know, things like, you want to know something about Ellen? She likes a made bed. First thing she does, hopping out of bed, makes that bed. I can observe the way that she she makes breakfast and tell you something about, you know, the 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 you know how she thinks about food. And and I can I can you know by the the, the news channels that she chooses to watch, I can tell you a lot about her. And then I can talk to people who know her. I can talk to her friends. And then I can go to the computer and I can Google her on the Internet and find out maybe some things about her. But the relationship doesn't get personal. The relationship doesn't get personal and it doesn't get intimate unless she speaks to me. And in the same way, you can't have a relationship with God unless you're able to say that this is the Word of God speaking to me without a doubt. And, and you, you know, you, you, you can look at a lot of material. You can look at ancient material and modern material and construct a God suitable for your likes and your desires. But what you're doing is really only constructing a philosophical God of your own choosing. And it's not a, per, a, a personal relationship. You can come up to me and you can say, Mark, you say you were born in, in Wichita Falls, Texas. But you know what? I like to believe. I like to think of you as being born in Buenos Aires, Argentina and that you lived there until the age of 30. That's the way I like to think about you. And I can say, you know, we live in a a free-thinking Western culture and you're free to believe whatever you want to believe, but you don't know me because you refuse to accept what I say about myself. You don't really know me. You see, you you not only have to start with God, but you have to start with what God says about Himself. And that is one of the beginning ways that you begin to, to, to escape the darkness, to understand that this is what John is saying. The message that I'm declaring to you is a message that we have heard from Him. And then the last thing is you have to begin with God as He reveals Himself as holy. You know, the message of the Gospel does not start with God is love. The message of the Gospel begins with the the words that God is holy. Look again at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and we declare to you. God is light in Him. There is no darkness at all. What John is saying is that God cannot even countenance darkness. That God cannot even brook evil in His presence. That He hates it. That there is no darkness in Him at all. Because He is light. Now we started tonight thinking about how to have this complete joy. And now all of a sudden we're thinking about the holiness of God in which there is no tolerance of darkness in the least. And what you've been saying, Mark, is that the darkness is in me and all about me and that I can't obliterate it, that, uh, that uh, it's impossible for me to do it. Well, what John is saying is here is that you will not understand the love of God. You will not understand what it is that God is doing and, and enjoy it and revel in it. And relish it every thought during the day unless you understand that God is utterly holy. I mean think about it this way: suppose you think that God is just love, you know there was this um uh, uh, it was a French philosopher who uh you know had lived uh, you know a, a a pretty robust life in terms of you know sort of a dissolute life and lived it any way that he wanted to and got himself involved in all kinds of, of different experiences and pleasures and You know, here he is, you know, and this is a couple of centuries ago. Here he is on his deathbed and he's approached and aren't you afraid to meet God? And what he is purported to have said is God's going to forgive me because that's the business that God is in. Now, you know, there there might be a little bit of consolation in the fact that God is love but that's not going to change you. It didn't change Him. The darkness was still in Him. The darkness was still something that He was experiencing. You might be consoled by that, but you're not changed, and therefore you've not left the darkness. But if you believe that God is holy, 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 and that His love is shaped by His holiness, then you see something completely different Happening to you because of Him. We drop down to verse 8. The blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. The bad news is that we're surrounded by all of this darkness. That's the obstacle. That's the foundational, basic reason that we find ourselves struggling with some kind of experience of this complete joy in our life of faith. It's that darkness. And the pessimistic uh, teaching of the Bible is that there's nothing that you can do about that. I mean, as, as hard as you may try, you will always fall short of the glory of God. We will all sin. There is no one that is immune from that fallen state. We're, we're it's not going to be education. It's not going to be more money. It's not going to be you know the right political office or the right political leader. It, it, none of that is going to make any difference, at least any lasting difference. The optimism though is that God is holy and righteous and in that holy righteousness is doing the perfect thing in love which is to do the very thing that we cannot do for ourselves which is to purify us to purify us from that sin to purify us from that darkness and to do it and to do it in a way that when we when we begin with God and we think about God and contemplate what it is that God has done by allowing his son who in love volunteered to take our sins upon himself and to experience the forsakenness of God himself personally, so that we would not have to experience that forsakenness. To take that darkness upon Himself, our darkness upon Himself in order that we could come into the presence of the God who is light. That at great cost, because of that love, allows us to come out of that darkness for it to be obliterated and to find that joy complete in us. Changes us. That God loving us and obliterating the darkness in order for us to have fellowship with Him and for our joy to be made complete is what John is beginning to unpack here that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. But the thing that we we end with tonight is that when you, you you begin to come out of the darkness when you see that the God of light loves us and purifies us from that sin, from that darkness by the blood of His Son. That fills us with all kinds of good things, like hope, for instance. You know, we talked about this a little bit this morning, you know, the lack of imagination that a lot of us have in our walk because we really don't have this this magnified, uh, 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 enlarged understanding of God that's couched in Scripture. You know, we may have knowledge and we may have some of the facts, but we don't have a knowledge of God, a fellowship that John talks about that allows us to be able to imagine the power of God working not only in the lives of other people and working in a, a city like San Antonio, but working in our own lives. I mean, I, I don't want to see a, a show of hands, but think about your own life, your own personal life and the things that you have struggled with for years and years and years and years that you know you you love God you love you love the Christ you love the fact that the spirit is in you your sins have been forgiven you think about the cross but there is still this this darkness that overtakes you and and you find that joy not even close to being complete what John is telling us is that there's a way to come out of that darkness to come out of to come out of it in such a way that you find that complete that mature that whole whole joy is being a a hallmark of your life. That the the grip that those sins or sin might have on your life can be broken. That you can be transformed. That it doesn't have to be the darkness, it can be the light. That it can be fellowship with God and not just acquaintanceship with God. That it can be a, a joy that is complete rather than a joy that is fragmented because of an incomplete dealing with the gospel message and its impact in your life. We're going to continue these thoughts over the next couple of weeks, but we, you know, we want to give you an opportunity tonight in thinking about some of this. Maybe there there's, there's, there's some ways that our church can minister to you to help you to understand what it is that God is calling you in Christ to become and to be and to experience. And we're going to have some of our shepherds down here at the front, and if in any way there might be a way that we can minister to you and help you to have this complete joy in your life, then we want you to come down and talk to these shepherds as we stand and sing together.